Welcome to episode 27 of Can We Still Be Friends, the podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. 35 years ago this week, The Blues Brothers, starring Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi, was released into theaters. In that time, the movie has become considered a classic, the kind of movie that most people just assume you've seen. However, Ryan hadn't seen it before, and it had been a long time since I'd seen it, so we thought a viewing was overdue. Made for $27 million, The Blues Brothers was one of the most expensive comedies ever made, um, but it was a big hit, earning $54 million at the box office. And it's earned a respectable 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, but its acclaim rests mostly in its ardent fan base. The Blues Brothers has become the kind of movie that has passed from parents to children, important more as a piece of culture than a piece of cinema. But 35 years later, is the mission from God still an enjoyable ride? Or is there no action left in this keyboard? Keep listening. Matt, me and Elwood are putting the band back together. We need you and Blue Lou. Oh, man. Don't talk that way around here. My old lady, she'll kill me. Ma'am, you got to understand that this is a lot bigger than any domestic problems you might be experiencing. Matt, what the hell is he talking about? Don't get riled, sugar. Don't you don't get riled, sugar me. Now, you're not going back on the road no more, and you ain't playing in them old two-bits, lazy dives. You're living with me now, and you're not going to go sliding around with your old white hoodlum friends. But, babes, this is Jake and Elwood, the Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers? Shit. They still owe you money, fool. Ma'am. Would it make you feel any better if you knew that what we're asking Matt here to do is a holy thing? You see, we're on a mission from God. Don't you blaspheme in here! Don't you blaspheme in here! Now, this is All right, so right there you heard Jake and Elwood trying to get the band back together, trying to recruit Matt, uh, Guitar Murphy, but Mrs. Murphy ain't having none no, of that. she's not having <laughs> any of that. Um, As played by Aretha Franklin. Right, one of many cameos by some very famous musicians. And good musicians. And good musicians, yes. sure. Yeah. yeah, Classic, important musicians yes. made cameos in this movie. And uh, the movie we are discussing today is... The Blues Brothers, Blues Brothers. right, of course. Yeah. Um, 35 years young. This year, which is kind of, I don't know, is that a milestone year? I guess every five years could be considered a milestone year, right? Why not? But um, uh, this is a movie that you somehow never saw. Yeah. I mean, movies like this, if your parents don't have them on in the house or whatever, they're not movies people think to show you. They are movies, though, that people think to, like... You haven't seen that? What? <laughs> but you know what else I ran into? To lambast into? you for not seeing. Well, I kind of ran into, it was kind of funny. People would say like, you know, what's your next episode? Blues Brothers. And like, oh, you know, ask what sides we're on. I said, well, I haven't seen it. And they'd be like, you haven't seen it? <laughs> and I'd say like, yeah. And then they're like, well, I'm not sure I've seen all of it either. Like, oh, really? People just like, people, they ass- they've seen parts of it or they've seen it here and there. So not only do like, they assume that you have seen it, they assume, they assume they they've have seen, seen it. it. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> that they um, might not have. <laughs> and maybe they've caught parts of it, but uh, I, I, it doesn't feel like the kind of movie people sit down and watch. Huh. You know? You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, it has. Make... It's been a long time since I sat down and ro- watched it for sure. sure. So I guess you could put me in that. Camp. When you did watch it, did you sit down and watch it? Like, what were the, what were the circumstances of you watching it? I I actually remember. Um, I remember my mom saying you should sit down and watch this. It was one of her favorites. Oh, okay. and I was probably ten, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she said you should sit down and watch this. I think you'll like it. But yeah, so it was your parents. It was. It was. It, it was, was my parents. Passed down. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, at that point, actually, I lived in Indiana, and mm. so I don't, I don't know that too many of my other friends had seen it, even though I was a pretty small kid. Yeah. Um, but then when I moved up here to the Chicago area, and for those of you who are, are listeners who um, maybe don't know us personally, yeah. um, we actually do record. I don't think we've ever actually said where we record from. 
Maybe we have, maybe we haven't. But well, we that record. was for our safety. We didn't want people trying to come to our recordings. But we're in the Chicagoland area. Exactly. So for us, I think the Blues Brothers, I mean, if you're in the Chicagoland area, mm-hmm. it definitely is one of those movies yeah. that everyone kind of assumes you've seen. Because yeah. Chicago is just so heavily prevalent mm-hmm. in the movie. And, yeah. And like Daily Plaza, yeah. everybody is like, that's all. Oh, that's like you can just point out all yeah. sorts of places in it. So yeah. Maybe more so because we live around here that people are just incensed or flabbergasted that I have never seen the movie. I grew up in Wisconsin and I mean, I feel, I still feel like enough people watch it. They, I, I do remember people in Wisconsin, you know, the scene where the bluesmobile kind of on that freeway near the end goes off like a ledge mm-hmm. that, uh, I guess was in Milwaukee. Oh, okay. That ledge. <laughs> so they have a little marker there or something. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But like, I just remember people being like, "That actually, that was in Milwaukee. You know that? You know that, right?" Yeah. I'm like, so it's quite a full Chicago. Of course, movie. I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and and uh, before we jump into our full conversation of Blues Brothers, yeah. Um, upon this, my rewatch, your initial viewing, yeah. Um, on our letterboxed accounts, mm-hmm. um, what what are you rating this as just and 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 no explanation just to kind of get a base level of where we're coming sure. from. Sure. Um I am I'm going to say a two and a half. Jeez, Louise, are you kidding? No. You're not kidding. No. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I know. I'm uh, I'm saying two and a half. Are so you basically got... putting it on record that you just hate laughing and having fun. And music too. <laughs> no, yeah. um, well, I'm not supposed to expand on my no, rating, that's fine. but that's I will it. say that I, I don't hate laughing. And if I had laughed during this movie, maybe I would oh, have rated it higher. Um, but I, I, I was, I'm giving you, I'm giving you room to, for, to help me grow. Yeah. I'm starting it. I'm starting it on the low end of my feelings towards okay. it. Um, okay. My, my, my rating this time around, I, I would say I'm, I'm going to, do about a four. I okay. Think. Uh, again, this might be a tough one because there may be more wrapped up in it for you. Maybe not, though. I don't. You know, I don't think so. I don't think nostalgia plays in this time because one thing I realized as I was watching it was how little I remembered of it. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I felt like in a way I was kind of giving it a fresh viewing and I didn't have the same kind of nostalgic sense before watching it that i did for say like the other movies we've discussed like hook or uh, christmas story or the sandlot or or any of those i would not put blues brothers in that same camp as that although it was one that i saw as a kid and i want to say to our uh, listeners again i i'm i don't hate everything i see like (laughs) i like movies lately yeah i i yeah i i don't know i don't know i don't know what it is am i short-sighted am i myopic I don't know. I I also don't think that it's going to be possible because we've tried before. I, I and even when I'm talking to other people, it's very hard to actually argue whether something's funny or not. Yeah, comedy is just it's just a hard thing to discuss as far as what makes something funny to somebody, mm-hmm. why somebody gets something and somebody else just doesn't think it's funny at all. And once you try to argue it. Anybody who found it funny, all of a sudden, it sort of sucks all the humor, <laughs> sucks all the humor out of it. I, yeah. So I'm not even. I don't think I'm going to try. Okay. To get you to believe that Blues Brothers is a funny movie, okay. <laughs> I mean, either you either you laugh at it or you don't. Yeah. Either you get it or you don't. I, guess. I, I mean, for me, I do. I mean, I do want to hear what you think is funny about it. Well, I was also thinking, um, and I didn't really have that many notes. For this movie like i, I didn't usually either. write a lot of notes but i have um, i have this i have these like five notes but the only thing that kept coming up in my mind was really thinking is this even first and foremost a comedy and mm-hmm. i don't know that that was necessarily the full intention i believe that they were trying to get a lot of laughs but even as you think about the blues brothers as the snl characters they, they never, were never really comedy. they weren't a comedy they were bit. just they wanted to play music. They they were doing what they wanted to do. It was almost like this piece of like as if SNL were just a variety show. And it's you such had an, these guys. It was it's an odd thing. It's, you know, it's well, a, it's a it's a weird it's it's so strange to me that they chose these characters to make a a, a movie out of because they appeared on Saturday Night Live, I think, three times before the movie aired. And every time they just sang. Yep. And the dancing was a little maybe funny because Belushi was overweight, but like it was never. There really was no for character. Laughs. There was no. nothing to it. They 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 were Jake and Elwood Blues in name only. There wasn't this backstory. 
they eventually developed one right in snl no i mean and also they're not like a lot of the snl characters especially the ones that you would see later to make their own movies whether it was wayne's world or you know the roxbury guys (laughs) The Roxbury guys are what was the Mary Catherine oh Gallag- yeah. Mary Catherine Gallag- Gallagher yeah, superstar was her movie. These were characters that as soon as they hit the screen, you were supposed to be laughing. Right, you know what I mean? Like it was just their appearance alone. But I don't think they ever drew those laughs out just by you. See- they were just kind of supposed to be cool characters almost. Like I, I don't know what they were supposed to be. Honestly, I mean, I guess cool. Were they cool? I think so. Was the blues cool? No, I think that was what was kind of the draw was almost that they were just sort of almost at the time even just a, kind of a throwback act. In fact, another reason why I think it's weird that they did decide to make Blues. The reason I think they decided to make Blues Brothers was just because John Belushi was hot, was on a hot streak. Yeah, it was just coming off of Animal, Animal, Animal House, uh, Ackroyd and Belushi. They both had just this love of the blues and right. they just they were the ones that had to really push Lorne for these characters. Lorne was never sold on these characters. Yeah. They just really wanted to play blues music, you know? Yeah. And so they made this movie, and I think they were able to get it made because of Belushi. Right. And, and Aykroyd. I mean, Aykroyd was a big draw on Saturday Night Live. Maybe but not, not in movies, movies. But then, then John Landis had directed Animal, Animal House, House, and yeah. so he was... Which was, was a hit, you know? And well, we already linked to it on our Facebook and Twitter, but we'll pro- maybe we'll put a link to it on our episode, too. But mm-hmm. there was a big, long Vanity Fair article about the making of Blues Brothers, and one thing that they brought up was that... Even the musical acts they brought in, you know, Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, James Brown, Cab Calloway, Calloway. these guys, they were not popular at the time. Right. So these, they weren't even the draw. Right. There was, they, maybe Ray Charles. Ray Charles still had Mm -hmm. a pretty popular following, but everyone else in that movie that you see, the Blues Brothers helped them more than they helped the Blues Brothers, you know, so... It wasn't that the musical acts in and of themselves were going to sell the movie. So yeah. I don't know. I just think it's this really strange gem of a movie. Like it's it's just I love it because it's got funny parts, mm. you know, but it's not just a comedy. It's got great music in it. I mean, I love mm-hmm. that music. And as a kid, that was my first exposure to the music. So mm-hmm. I guess if there's any nostalgia in there at all, mm-hmm. it's just that that's sort of when I was exposed to rhythm and blues music and I liked it, mm-hmm. you know. My parents didn't listen to that music regularly. Yeah. yeah. So that was all new to me. Right. And then as a kid and even still, just the <laughs> the piles upon piles of crash cars, mm-hmm. I just I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And <laughs> It's it's like the it's like the joke that just goes on too long and then it becomes funny again. Yeah. Like it's just this at first you just are like, what is going on? All mm-hmm. this destruction of property and it just seems so irreverent and this almost seems like something out of Mad Magazine, which I loved as a kid. I mean, I recognized it as a joke. Like I was like, yep, that's a bunch of cars, way too many cars. And I, I, it was fine. I mean, and maybe it was a a, a pioneer in the um sort of do something unfunny until it's funny sort of thing yeah but it doesn't even really feel like that no. I, I mean i'm i'm kind of grasping for why i found that funny i yeah. mean that's sort of it is this that like seeing that many police cars pile into each other yeah um yeah and it's just wacky it's it wacky is. stuff and i mean i also just love kind of wacky comedies too yeah you know uh yeah i'm fine with that too a lot of the time i the only time i really thought that over abundance was funny was in the end with like all the cops, all the SWAT team, yeah. all the National Guard, and the hup, 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 hup. <laughs> yeah, like that was great. funny. Yeah. I, I, I smiled during that. I mean, like I recognized it all as jokes. Like, yeah, I was like, okay. I guess, I, I guess see what, what I'm doing. Wa- what I'm, what I'm wondering is, you, you still couldn't enjoy the movie even if you didn't laugh that much. Yeah, maybe I was trying to see humor too much. I did enjoy the musical sequences. You did? Uh, yeah, they were they were good. I mean, they they were good. I didn't I didn't find myself getting excited for the next one. Like it, it it's so it's such an episodic movie that just moves from thing to thing to thing. Like it's very clear that it was written by sketch comedy writers. There was obviously an overarching story. They were trying to get that show together it's, too. It's a it's a very very <laughs> small plot. But yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, just yeah. a it's it's um it reminds me. And I feel like I've talked about this before. Have you seen uh, that Mitchell and Webb look? And they have that sketch where this guy, these two guys are sharing an office and they do two different jobs and one of them writes porn movies. 
And uh, he was like, so how do you write a porn movie? And he's like, well, I take a sheet of paper and I write, they have sex six different times. And then I, in between, I write just something happening. And then that's the movie. So he's like, the cable repairman comes over. They have sex. And then like, I feel like that that was this movie. It was like, they sing a blues song. There's a car chase. They just wrote those a bunch of times and then found some filler to connect them. Just these loose connections of things that I'm supposed to, that I'm I, that I'm supposed to like or be in, interested in enough that I I I'm supposed to zone out between them and then just be like oh I'm back to being interested again and then oh zone out for a little oh now this is interesting again is is how I felt it went and then the jokes I felt like they just repeated themselves a lot not literally but like deadpan like okay so Carrie Fisher shows up and blows something up and they're unfazed by it mm-hmm. okay and that happens three more times okay. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I mean, the Carrie Fisher part is one that I never really got and also kind of completely forgot about. I actually, in the space between being a kid watching it and rewatching it, I had forgotten she was even in the movie. Yeah. That's how little of an impact she had on, you yeah. know, me even then. Or So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's parts in that movie that are kind of like that, that maybe didn't need to be there. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I never zoned out. And, you know, some of the recurring jokes i think they recur you know just enough i don't think it's overdone like the whole mission from god thing i think they said that like three times in the movie Was you know just three pretty sure yeah and um i mean i i don't I don't. I never felt like anything was played out too long or anything, and um, and if anything, you just had it building up with these different groups of people who were getting mad at them. Yeah. You know, so that by the end, you had this buildup that was just Everybody's like chasing everyone's them. after them. So it's mm-hmm. it's cops and Nazis and you know a, yeah. a, a, the good old boys, which Charles Napier as the yeah. the leader of the good old boys is hilarious. And there's that scene the first time that they're chasing them, and the police are also chasing them after the the honky tonk show. Uh-huh. There's that scene of them driving in that truck and like the four other bandmates are up in that little sort of like yeah, the, in what the do you RV call it, thing. the RV thing and their heads are just kind of like through the little glass. Oh, yeah. I laughed so hard <laughs> at just the visual of that. It was so funny to me. Like, okay. And I mean, can you at least appreciate even cinematically the camera doing some pretty interesting things in that movie? The whole Joliet scene at the very beginning, um, the setup of him leaving jail. First of all, the, the movie starts with what looks like a sort of apocalyptic wasteland of just like industrial smokestacks right. and yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's nighttime. And then you realize it's just Joliet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it kind of does these pretty cool, you know, sort of like helicopter shots of the prison. And mm-hmm. then even as like... Um, Jake is leaving. There's like an interesting shot where the camera's below the grates and yeah, there's this weird him. sort of swing action thing. And then when um, the prison gates open and the sunlight comes pouring yeah. through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so it's not like sure. it's just a lazily done movie mm-hmm. either. And even like the chase scenes, I mean, first mm-hmm. of all, they're real, which we talked about in Mad Max in itself has maybe its own merits, maybe not. But yeah. You know the scenes make sense. I think yeah. if that was something you were critiquing about Mad Max, <laughs> they do. They, they, yep. And there's some awesome stuff that maybe these days you'd see a GoPro handle, but like going 120 miles an hour and mm-hmm. having a camera on. And and I, I was reading, and I guess it was some of the trivia that they were actually going, going that fast, mm-hmm. and they that they had, had two to runs, yeah, two passes they, under the L. Right, and that they had to act. The first one they did with no pedestrians for safety. Mm-hmm. But they realized then it just looked like they sped up the film. Yeah. And they wanted to make sure you knew that they, they were, were actually, actually going, going that fast. fast. So they put, put yeah. they put like, I had read that know. before and I, I watched for it and I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that is impressive. Yeah. I, yeah. And, uh, but there, I love I that there's one shot that I really ju- liked yeah, where it was just, um, when the car, cop car flips over in the mall and, and it's, it's spinning, spinning. Yeah. And the camera's mounted to the hood. I was like, oh, yeah. This is a cool shot. And I think, I don't know. I mean, I just yeah. feel like it's a smart, it's a well-done movie in the sense that it sets its tone well enough to where you don't need to necessarily worry about whether you should feel bad that cars right. are flying yeah. through walls and dis- properties sure. being destructed and they're they're careening through pedestrians. It's done in such a way where you really don't you know you're not supposed yeah. to really care that much. Like th- it's fine. You're watching a fun movie. You know? Yeah. No, <laughs> I didn't. I I didn't have that issue at all i did not i wasn't sitting there going like how these boys are so irresponsible <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I i was i was with it like in, in as far as that went i think john landis is a very good filmmaker 
American Werewolf in London. I really enjoyed. I really like Three Amigos. Mm-hmm. And oh, House Three is Amigos funny. is one of my. Um, I, I like Three Amigos more than this. If that makes you feel. Oh, better. I absolutely do. Okay. I mean, I'd be, I, that that is good because I think Three Amigos is much funnier than this. Even though I, I just watched Life Itself, the documentary about Roger Ebert, and he did he hated that movie. Yeah, it's weird. It was, yeah, whatever. Um, I don't know how he felt about Blues Brothers. I didn't look it up. But Three Amigos is also a lot more hinged on the performances of the comedy actors. Yes, and, I'm glad and, you brought that and up. And in here, that's not really what the movie relies on. Now, obviously, they're the main characters, I think so you the movie that, could have but... used it a little bit more. They're, Jake and Elwood are such flat characters to me. Dan Aykroyd especially, I find not funny. And he's supposed to be, I'm fairly certain in this movie right he's supposed to be funny at, and, at times i mean at times i mean yeah. i know i know, you know he's when not, the, yeah i know he's not like at all like chevy chase in his movies who's just constantly trying to get you to laugh right but i his character just bugged me hmm. I, not his character dan Aykroyd bugged me because it was he it felt so half-assed and non-committal. It was like, even though he wrote it and created the characters, it's like he didn't even know or like or care about who Elwood was. He was counting on the Chicago accent maybe being funny, but he's just so flat the whole time. He's like, when he dances, he's not awkward. He's so he's funny. He's not good. So it's impressive. Same with his singing, same with his harmonica playing. Like there's just nothing impressive about them as performers in this movie. I think John Belushi was wasted I mean, obviously, he was completely wasted the <laughs> yeah. whole time. But I think his talents <laughs> more were, than one. I think his so talents were wasted in this movie because he does very little, except for a couple scenes where he yells, and then that scene where he—that's way oversimplifying it. I understand that, but that scene in the restaurant where he uses that funny voice. How much for the little girl? The women. How much for the women? What? Your women. I I, I want to buy your women, the little girl, your daughters. Sell them to me. Sell me your children. Mater D. Mater D. Okay. Uh, I, I, I just, more than anything, Dan Aykroyd's performance bugged me because I was like, just commit to something for a second. Like, you, that's got to be totally in your interpretation because, maybe. I mean, he's got, he, he is so into this movie, though. I know. I he mean, is. like, like, this I is like, not, this is, I, this might is just like, be Dan Aykroyd that I don't like. Maybe, because this is like his baby. And I, I remember even reading that, like, um, John Landis told so. him to tone it down in a lot of his tone performances. His, like, because Landis was the one that was saying, we need you guys to be more deadpan. That's your character. And like, Aykroyd was doing more, like, sort of just, I guess, putting more into it as far as like trying to pull mm-hmm. out the jokes and be more physical with his comedy. And Landis was the one that was like, you know, just you got to just play it yeah. straight. And I mean, it's it's subtle. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. But I mean, there's What's a lot subtle? of good comedy in the timing. Like there's the scene in the car where they're talking about the Bluesmobile and what happened to the Bluesmobile. Yeah. And he's talking about getting the police car at the mm-hmm. Mount Prospect police auction. And he's like, the car's got a lot of pickup. It's got a cop motor, a 440 cubic inch plant. It's got cop tires, cop suspension, cop shocks. It's a model made before catalytic converters, so it'll run good on regular gas. What do you say? Is it the new Bluesmobile or what? Fix a cigarette lighter. Delivered by other people, you never would have gotten any sort of even hint that there was comedy in that. But to me, it was just so well-timed, and you had that with the, the earlier he had yeah. thrown the cigarette lighter out. And I know. It was all put together in a way that it pulled some laughs out of me. I don't know. I can't, yeah. I can't tell you. Again, I'm not going right. to argue that. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to get you to do that. I'm trying to tell you what I thought was flawed about it, that not just what I didn't think was funny, but what that I thought was not effective about it. Yeah. And, um, and the deadpan juxtaposition to me is pretty funny in scenes like the Country Western Bar, mm-hmm. where bottles are just being thrown at them at the chicken wire and completely unfazed, you know? Yeah. And I guess that's just sort of that like rock mm-hmm. and roll, I guess R and B sort of attitude of it is just well, like, good we're, performer. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they just don't let it phase them. They're playing their big show and they've got law enforcement all around mm-hmm. and they're basically just welcoming them. Yeah, it was, you're right. It wasn't over the top. Um, I feel like it's clear now that you say this, it's clear that the deadpan sort of stuff didn't come naturally to Dan Aykroyd, that it wasn't his first choice. That Belushi did it better. And I also think that um, Aykroyd knew that Belushi was better. When you, they're both on the screen, 
but it's Belushi you're really watching most yeah. of the time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I, I. I mean, so I mean, I, I guess that I, I guess I can maybe concede that, but <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just don't know that you can, you can't have the movie without Dan Aykroyd, and I mean, because he wrote it first of all, right. and second well, of all, like I mean, it's yes. sort of like these characters were them, and you know. Yeah. I guess you what get... it felt like to me. I know Aykroyd loved it, and it was his baby. It felt like it was too much his baby. That to the point that it was like, if he could have done it another way, he would have had a podcast. Like Dan Aykroyd <laughs> teaches America about the, the blues. blues. Yeah, like Dan Aykroyd presents Smithsonian folkways. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> Which I think he tried to teach America about you know extraterrestrials and and the the paranormal with ghostbusters but somebody was there t- <laughs> saying like dude stop trying to educate people like yeah I, i'm not like blues brothers is overly pedantic or anything it's just that i feel like dan Aykroyd's the kind of guy from what i know of him who could get too tied up sure to personal things and that like jake and elwood were his babies i will totally grant you that i think Aykroyd is he's totally a sketch comedian in the sense that like usually the bits he comes up with, even the stuff that I remember liking of Aykroyd, mm-hmm. it's the kind of like what, like on SNL, Bassomatic three, yeah. <laughs> the Bassomatic. You can't make a movie out of that. Obviously. Right. Like he comes up with that. It's just really funny bit. Yeah. There's the other one where he plays the, um, the SNL sketch that I love where he's playing the guy who's uh, like the sleazy salesman selling Halloween costumes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. like, he's Which like, is the same kind of character as the Bassomatic guy. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and, and he's, it's the same he's, sort of like hey, yeah. voice as he's like trying to use and for Ac- Elwood too. And Aykroyd's, n- he's never been, you know, one of my favorite players. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've really seen him in any other movies that I really loved. I never really considered him one of my like A list comedians. He's for always, he's always going to be Soul Man a lot when that was <laughs> on. Do you remember that show? <laughs> Was it? A, it was a movie, right? No, it was, it was a, a show? TV show. Oh, that's right. He was like an Episcopalian yeah. priest who and I guess he was went really to seminary for a little bit. Well, that's not surprising. There's like a huge Catholic bent, and in the deleted scene, Elwood talked about becoming a priest. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd like writes his passions, which write what you know usually works, but I think he gets too tied up in it. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a huge. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not, I'm not a Dan Aykroyd fanatic. I just like Blues Brothers. Like he's always going to be. But he's so much of Blues Brothers that that's what that's part of it for me is that I'm just like his his fingerprint. Everything is all over it, and I don't. I don't dig it. You think you have to? You have to like Dan Aykroyd. I don't know. In I think I dislike Dan Aykroyd enough that, it, <laughs> like, I, and it's not, it wasn't a personal vendetta. I realized it with this movie. After a while, it just felt like a very vain project. Hmm. Even the concept of the Blues Brothers, like, that, that they went on Saturday Night Live. Like, so what's the joke? This is a comedy show. Well, no joke, just singing blues. Like, are you really a good blues singer? Like, I can, I can do it. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, and, and I think also Belushi was always the main singer, too. Yeah, he's the lead singer. Oh, what's and he's not even that great of a singer. And that's no. kind of the whole thing with that. Is I... that the joke? Is there a joke there? No, I think that's the blues. I think the blues is that you don't have to be a great singer. Like it's all about sort of the attitude you have. And mm, okay. I mean, you've got to put all your you got to put all of yourself into it. And maybe that's why you're not buying Aykroyd. It's almost like he put all of himself into the movie, but not all of himself into being a blues brother, like being that's a performer. The thing. Right. That's the thing. It's it's his commitment to the character that I like it's so clearly Dan Aykroyd being Elwood Blues. I, I just feel like there's no concept beyond I want to sing some blues songs in a movie. But I guess even in that, it was cool. I mean, I liked it, you know. They toured, film a concert and put it out. No. And tell some that would not, tell some jokes. We would not be talking about Blues Brothers the concert 35 well, years later. I don't think we should be talking about Blues Brothers the movie. <laughs> I'm just thinking it's later. just this movie that it's it's hard to categorize in a lot of ways. It's not quite a musical, but there's musical numbers. There's right. it's not a full on SNL style comedy, right? But there's funny parts in it. Mm-hmm. It's not just a sort of action movie. cops and robbers action movie, but there's some awesome yeah. action scenes in it. You put all that together, <laughs> and to me, that's just a fun ride. It's just something that I kind of have to just appreciate. Like they actually pulled it off. I mean, do you just think the movie doesn't even work as uh, a movie? And I don't. I hate when people say it just doesn't work. I mean, but yeah. do you think it actually 
it makes sense and that somehow they will pull off all these different tones well and you know uh, that like different... you've got you've got kind of three different are you just genres using it as an example or do you feel like there are different tones that it was trying to pull off the the musical the comedy and the yeah like you've got three different genres clashing together and somehow yeah, it, they all it seem wasn't to... it wasn't jarring it wasn't like okay this is way too actiony for a comedy or yeah. this is too funny for a musical whatever like yeah i mean it, it, they blended it fine yeah the story did make sense in that Everything they did, they were trying to get the the show to go, to make money, to get the band together, except for Carrie Fisher stuff. Yeah, that um, stuff I'll give. I mean, except for the Nazis. Well, I kind of laughed at that, especially at the end when the when it really. And that's the other thing that there are moments in this movie where it sort of almost gets surreal. Mm-hmm. Like there's that part where they're like falling, like they yeah. somehow got dropped higher than a skyscraper, right, and fall through. And he says, "I've always loved you." Yeah. And then there's in the beginning the nun that just kind of floats, you know, as she as they're yeah. saying goodbye, mm-hmm. she kind of just floats. It's just like all of a sudden, Sister it's Mary got this... Stigmata, that yeah. lady, who yeah. beats him for swearing. Yeah. Did you think that scene was funny? Um, I thought it was funny when John Belushi fell down the stairs. <laughs> A okay. Physical comedy bit, you know what it is. And I also thought, but like, what about when she was hitting him and they were swearing? Did you think that was funny? Yeah. I mean, it's not really? like really. What was funny about it? How am I supposed to explain that to you? I don't know. I, don't I could explain know. what happens in the scene no, and say, yeah, it's funny, know. Ryan. Like, <laughs> like, what do you I don't want know. me to say? Like, I, I just thought, I don't know. That, that, that scene is, is in particular is very much what I'm talking about with the problem with the performances that I have. It was so clearly hitting marks that they had rehearsed, that, but not rehearsed to the point that they were perfect. It was just so muddled and messy I, I, I but i feel like you're taking a movie that we're talking about like an like an early 80s comedy and we've seen a lot of comedy since then it's like saying i didn't like vacation because there was this one scene that didn't work for me i'm not saying you know, that like I'm, clear, I'm, I'm obviously not saying that i know you're that not but that's didn't. what it feels like it's like you know I'm you're saying, saying that, that scene is indicative of the problem that i have with the movie that that like it's not funny to me that it's just like you guys get the joke right like here's a joke we made it I, but don't you can think you a lot of those laugh? movies kind of feel like that once in a while? Even Three Amigos has its moments where you can tell that, like, this is the joke. Like, it yeah, doesn't fall as natural sure. as maybe some of the more well-oiled sure, comedies we've seen later. Like, you know? Every movie I like is without flaw. But to me, that that was an early scene, and it, it's almost like what happens with Saturday Night Live sketches. They have a joke. They run it. And they don't the know how to end it. And then they just don't know how to end it. Yeah. So they keep repeating it. I mean, to me, there's something to be said for it being the first SNL movie, and it's not worse. You know, like that the fact that they didn't yeah. really bring all of those SNL features into their movie, like a lot of later SNL movies I think did, John Landis you know? had a lot to do with that. I'm sure, yeah. I think later they just had guns for hire that they didn't necessarily... Mm-hmm. Or they probably brought a lot of those sketch people out to write the movie. I guess I don't really know the history. I don't either. Of, like, but, I don't either. Um, but, but I think... Um, name a director of one of the later SNL movies. Penelope Spheris with Wayne's World. That's... A very good SNL movie. The yeah. only other SNL movie I would probably still stand by. Good. There's practically no good SNL movies that came other than, for me, Blues Brothers and probably Wayne's World. I don't think that I am... I think I'm, I've, I've grown past disliking something because it's popular. I have not accused you of that. I know you haven't. At all. I know you haven't. Yeah. I'm, but I'm trying to assess myself here. Okay. All right. But I do think I still kick back against well yeah it's a classic you got you got well, you gotta love, you gotta love that blues one brothers. yeah i i feel no more generosity towards blues brothers because everybody loves it. like i don't feel more generosity but i don't think i'm more critical i'm not i i don't go in it with more critical spirit i did i expected to like it now did you let me ask you a question i'm and i'm i'm honestly one of the answer do you extend the same kind of grace to an older comedy that you would extend to like a classic noir or something that maybe you know i can love it as a 30s noir knowing that if it came out today exactly as is it would probably not be something i'd be a fan of because we've come a long way since then you know yeah do you allow that same grace for a comedy and understanding that maybe some of the jokes that could seem like they're driven into the ground or a little flat or a little too on the nose that perhaps at the time Coming straight out of going from SNL sketch comedy into a movie, it is. Was it something fresh? Wife, you know, was it yeah. something fresh and that's new? A, that's a, that's. I mean, I maybe would, it's harder for comedy it, just it because it be. has to be something so uh, you can't 
fabricate appreciation for a comedy, yeah. I think, you know. I, I guess uh, I, I am not extending it less grace, but I do think I'm probably looking at it differently. Like Double Indemnity, mm-hmm. I think is a great movie. And I don't think it's a great movie just because it's foundational in noir. I think it is oh, absolutely. well acted. Like yeah. it's a, it's, I mean, that is an amazing noir movie. I think The Big Sleep is another great one along those lines. The the I don't want to say schlockier, but like the more uh, ingrained in the genre noir movies, like Detour, and noir is just one. Ex- I mean, that's just yeah, one I get genre. you, I get yeah. you, but I'm, I'm sticking with it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I would want to watch Detour again or recommend it to people, mm-hmm. um, because I see it as that foundational, but not good. Yeah, I, I'm not saying well that need that that movie sucked because it wasn't as informed it didn't you know it wasn't standing on the shoulders of giants that i've seen i don't compare it to a movie that came out in the last couple years Mm -hmm. you know but i still would say i don't need to see that again and i wouldn't necessarily recommend it to people right unless somebody was like i'm totally in noir what should i watch i'm like oh well you know detours yeah if you want to be exhaustive about it yeah right yeah and i think what happens with comedy and that makes it makes it difficult for me to not just say okay that was important I don't need to see it again. I maybe didn't even like the experience. Is that people, when you hear it talked about, mm-hmm. they still talk about it in current terms. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That like, oh, that movie is funny. <laughs> Nobody says, oh, you haven't seen that movie? That movie was really funny when, at the time, 35 yeah. years ago. Yeah. You should see it to see what people thought was funny back then. Right. Well, There even- are movies from 1980. There are movies from the 70s, 60s, 40s. I think are still funny to me. Mm-hmm. I do not think that the Blues Brothers is funny now, and I have a harder time unless it's really groundbreaking and saying this is the first time anybody did this. Like Steve Martin's stand-up, the first time anybody really did comedy without a punchline. Right. Like, even if I don't think everything he does is funny, I am still totally appreciative, and we'll go back to Steve Martin's stand-up because nobody had done that before, and yeah. I love hearing that happened for the first time and hearing the audience react yeah. to that. And that, and that's actually as, a good example of a comedy movie before blues brother. That's probably much more timeless is the jerk, oh, which absolutely. is just so timelessly funny. Mm-hmm. You can pop it in now and it will, you know, it'll go head to head with something like something like anchorman, which a lot of people would consider to be a very funny movie today, yes. you know, and anchorman, um, which for the most part broke a lot of ground too. Sure. You know, people hadn't seen a lot and of I, that stuff. I will admit to you that Blues Brothers is not like the funniest movie I've ever seen or anything like that. I just think that the the laughs it gets are real and also that there's a lot more to it that just makes it a different movie to me. Like mm. it's not just a comedy to me. In in a way it did break a lot of ground. I mean, well, even just for the fact that it was one of the most expensive comedies ever made at the time, but also the yeah. fact that like I think at the time it had crashed the most cars ever crashed mm-hmm. for a movie, 103 or something right, like that, yeah. you know? So, and that's not enough to make a movie great. Obviously, look at Matrix Reloaded, but... Which broke the record after. Which broke the record, yeah. But I have to look at the movie as a whole. Okay. And I still really enjoy it because if the laughs aren't getting me, the music is. If the music isn't getting me, the car chases are. And honestly, when I watched it this time, they all got me. Mm-hmm. Like, I was laughing in the right places. I was having a lot of fun during the car chases when you were supposed to, Mm -hmm. and the music was good. You know, the artists were great, and um, I don't think I have the same nostalgia for this movie as other ones, but I do think think that um, me seeing it as a kid does sort of maybe flavor or maybe tamper down my expectations watching it now. I probably would have had the same expectations as you if I had just been watching it the first time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, I had already seen it. I kind of knew what I was getting into for the most part. Um, and actually, as a kid, I don't remember laughing a ton. But it was and I was kind of wondering was... when I watched it this time if maybe the reason was that it was a lot of adult humor I didn't get. Not the case. It's just, no, it's just that it wasn't... The only adult you know, thing about it is they say the F word. I don't even remember. When do they do that? A bunch. Oh, <laughs> I guess I, I, that's, that's me now. I don't even notice it anymore. Oh, you know what's... Uh, I was actually, for kicks, I looked at, you know, Common Sense Media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was looking at their review of the Blues Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what they said. They said, 
Parents need to know that main characters Elwood and Jake Blues steal, destroy property, attempt to run people over, cheat people out of money, lie, drink, and smoke. In other words, kids, especially teenage boys, will find them irresistibly cool. <laughs> There's oh lots of profanity and violence played for laughs. I, I, maybe maybe Common Sense violence. Media really wraps it up for me, and I just think these guys are super cool it because they do all this stuff. <laughs> I'm, huh. will, I'm willing to admit that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess I never saw them as cool. That's one thing, too. Maybe that's it. You never, never thought they were cool, huh? Mainly because of Dan Aykroyd. Back to your point, this maybe there is, there are vestiges of elitism in me, but not just that I will dislike it because so many people do like it, Yeah, but I will have higher expectations because so many people do like it. This hmm. is a classic comedy. This is a movie I have to see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Then this better Prove be a good yeah. movie. Yeah. Show me what you got. Okay. This is, I did not have to see that. I don't understand anything better other yeah. than when my barber made the joke, he said, what kind of music do you like? And I said, oh, I like all kinds of music. And he said, country, country and Western. Western. <laughs> and I said, oh, not so much country. And he was like, oh, it's from Blues Brothers. So I would have been saved the embarrassment of, of missing my bar yeah. barber's joke. Yeah. That's the, as far as I can tell, that's the only thing that my life, that would have changed my life if I ha had seen Blues Brothers I, earlier. I have noticed um, that Blues Brothers in particular has a huge impact on a lot of like baby boomer white men. <laughs> yeah. Like huge. Like uh -huh. I and see that's what it feels like the movie's legacy is. <laughs> baby boomer white males. Yes. <laughs> Love this movie. Not any cinematic or musical influence. So maybe studios are willing to throw more money at comedies after Blues Brothers. So we have movies like I don't know. Like what? Pineapple Austin, Express or Austin something. Powers, yeah. Pineapple Express. Uh, okay. So once in a while, a big budget comedy came out of that, and that was great. But then we also have Evan Almighty, which is yeah. a comedy that got millions, hundred <laughs> over $100 million thrown at it. Okay. So this is the point in the episode where Ryan blames Evan Almighty <laughs> on the Blues Brothers. <laughs> well, I guess so. I haven't seen Evan Almighty. Maybe I it's either, funny. So, yeah. Maybe it's a good movie. I know Steve Carell is a comedic actor who commits to his characters. And he is very funny. So maybe yeah. there is something funny in Evan Almighty. <laughs> I thought Bruce Almighty was a pretty good movie. thought it was fine. Ooh, we might have an episode on that one. I hate that movie. Oh, do you? I hate that movie. Because I'd watch yeah. that ten times before I watch Blues no Brothers way. again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that... I got a little sick feeling in my stomach just hearing it. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't necessarily have more to say, but what's your favorite, if we can end on maybe just a, you know, a, a positive, doesn't really mean anything note. What is your favorite musical number in the movie? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> it depends. I think the honky-tonk part is the funniest scene of them playing, uh -huh. but they're playing Rawhide. Yeah. So it's not necessarily my favorite musical sure. number. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I just like the end. Like I just like the last performance. They did like Sweet Home Chicago. Yeah. I think that's like a really good rendition of it. Um, you know what I? You know what bugs me about Sweet Home Chicago? Uh, is like that's Jim Belushi's go-to song. Oh uh, well, don't bring Jim Belushi. And it bugs the crap <laughs> out of me. Um, I, okay. I like I wasn't. Um, the mini the moocher part I thought was a little awkward. Um, really. The Cab Calloway stuff. I really it's like. Fine. It's fine. I, I like it. It's see, just that just it's as seen... a musical performance. This is so weird. Yeah. As a musical performance, I was gonna say it's Cab Calloway. That's your favorite. My favorite. So gong around. Hi -de, hi -de, hi -de, hi -de, hi -de. I was like, why are they wearing these tuxes now? Like, that was just, I mean, there was some That's weird almost that somewhat surrealist kind of right. feel to it, where it doesn't all make sense, you know? Which, uh, whatever. I didn't fault the movie for yeah. that, honestly. But I just really thought Cab Calloway performing, I was like, yeah, this that dude knows what he's doing. You're right. That was brave of them to put some of the best performers of R&B and then be <laughs> like, like, and here's us. We're doing our thing. <laughs> I, I Musical number, yes, you're totally right. I guess... Uh, Movie-wise, I felt like it was the most wedged into there. It is, know? yeah. So, yeah, it's just, I guess I'm more coming at it from the angle of what 
in the movie, kind of like, you know, when we go back to our Pitch Perfect, yeah. um, you know, that the, the ending number really kind of pulled it all together for you. And Yeah, but that, and, that had, like, built to that. To me, yeah. it was just like, uh, there was no emotional stake in any of the songs. So I'm just going to pick the one that I thought, like, Cab Calloway doing his thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Even however old uh, he Yeah, was, it's a different movie still... than Pitch Perfect, but uh, yeah. Well, sure, I mean... but... Yeah, I guess the musical, it was never, there was nothing hinging on them performing. Like, if they do a bad job, they're not going to get They the weren't money. getting judged on it or anything in that sense. I mean, then they got people in the seats. So in that sense, the job was done. Yeah. But uh, I think that uh, that last performance does just kind of pull together, not the movie, but mm-hmm. sort of the Blues Brothers, I guess. Like you're, That's really the first time I feel like you're really seeing the Blues Brothers as an yeah, act performing. True. And you had kind of been waiting for that, and you got pieces mm-hmm. of it here and there. You know, the the Ray Charles song. That was still Ray Charles. That's still it. Ray Charles. Yeah, this and was the first the time. You, yeah. They were still, they weren't doing their stuff. It wasn't. Yeah, you're right. That and was it was the first time they were able to really bust out and do. Yeah. And honestly, if you were to turn the movie off and just listen to the music, it's not the best performance necessarily, you know, no, because, because you're, you're John, comparing it to James Brown and Ray Charles and, but it's John Belushi singing. So yeah. I think it's just in the movie, it kind of works for me. It sort of ramped it up to the right level for me, okay. you know, one of the last things I'll say mm-hmm. is that I kind of just like the background story of this movie in the sense of it being this movie that was just like wildly over budget. And like everyone thought it was kind of turning into a huge mistake mm-hmm. and they were bringing in acts that weren't even popular anymore. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up just kind of becoming this huge success yeah. and making a lot of money and also worked. bringing a lot of those great artists back into the mainstream. You know, I don't know that I ever would have gotten into like James Brown live at the Apollo if I hadn't originally seen Blues Brothers and that was my connection with, because you don't even know music history wise, like if anything else would have brought these artists back into the mainstream. It's not like they were going to go anywhere and they've always had critical acclaim. Mm -hmm. But as far as like, popular audiences getting back into this music i just i don't know i just kind of like i like the fact that the blues brothers kind of did that and also did it in this subversive way where it spent a shitload of money and like (laughs) had barely any script when it went into it this is something kind of wild about that you know (laughs) that's true so as we are uh winding down our blues brothers discussion why don't we talk about uh what our relationship is looking like at the end of this we've got uh, either either we're best buds we've got a mutual understanding um, or it's complicated. So, um, yeah, how are you feeling about this? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing. I would think we've got a mutual understanding. Okay. I kind of feel like we've hashed something like this out before, and we we have a little bit of a better um, feel for what the other person's saying. Yeah. Rather than it being complicated. What about you? Are yeah, you okay I think I can that? say that. I mean, I feel like I I understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And I think you understand where I'm coming from. I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to necessarily feel like we need to have this argument again. Uh, No, you know, we can can shake on it. Okay. So we'll have a, not literally, but no, figuratively we'll shake on it. Yeah. I don't want to touch you. No, 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 no. So yeah, we'll, we'll keep it as a mutual understanding. All right. So has your star rating changed after hearing me? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess the more I thought about it, it's not as funny as I maybe thought it was. Um, so I could see knocking it back, but then again, I just had a really good time. I don't know. It's okay. it's it's either three and a half or four, and All I right. figure why not? I'll keep it at a four star rating. All right. Yeah, I'm kind of waffling too. I could give it a half star. Yeah, I'll give it a half star. Three more stars. Like, more like an appreciation kind of thing. Three stars maybe, for, for Blues Brothers because <laughs> okay. Nate Nate enjoyed it so much. Also, three stars for letting me not like it. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, why don't we go ahead and we'll, we'll talk about what, what next, are we going to be discussing next in our next episode. episode? Well, we're both excited about Pixar's new movie, Inside yeah. Out. We're both Pixar out. fans. Yeah. We are. Though we were also just discussing off mic, Pixar's it needs a it needs a good movie. It needs this. It needs this. It needs this one. It, uh, I, I will start to have a little less faith in Pixar if Inside Out doesn't live up to my expectations, but. We don't agree on every Pixar movie. Right. So for the next... Well, really just one. <laughs> well, that's not everyone. True. Yeah. <laughs> so for the next episode, we're going to be uh, watching The Incredibles, directed by Brad Bird, a movie that I think is tremendous, and I think I've called it my favorite Pixar movie. Yeah, which 
But that may have been before Toy Story 3 came out. Okay. But it might still be. Who knows? Know. After we watch Nate, on the other hand, was not so impressed with no. Uh, the uh, now it's he, probably it's probably my least. Well, okay. we're not talking about you, we're not talking you, about the late we're not talking about the sequels. Taking taking, taking out cars and and also taking out Brave just because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Brave either. Um, maybe we should be doing Brave. Maybe we'll watch it before also to bring it into the conversation. Maybe in context. But if I had to rank what I've seen of Pixar. Um, that isn't Cars 2 or Cars, um, it would probably be pretty low on the list, probably at the bottom. Yes. So Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so there you I, have I'm, it. Nate. I am willing to give it another chance. I am willing to maybe admit That's that I missed point a of lot. This exactly. So. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this. So there you have it, folks. Uh, and, uh, a movie that I like and Nate doesn't like you so much. You don't get this very often. So yeah, watch The Incredibles with us if you if you have anything you need to say about Blues Brothers that isn't just abuse at Nate for loving it or abuse at me for hating it and quoting lines. We, right? Yeah, yeah we, we don't can, need that. We don't need that. We've got yeah. the IMDb quote page if we really want to read. Uh, we're on a mission from God once more. Uh, but if you've got thoughts about Blues Brothers, if you agree with me, if you agree with Nate, if you have something that you think we missed, we'd love to hear it. Also, The Incredibles. If you uh, are a fan of that movie or you don't like that movie, let us know why or why not. Yeah. Uh, and we would love to have those things to look for as we watch the movie again. Absolutely. It always helps to kind of hear a few other opinions yeah. going into a movie. Um, so if you do decide to kind of interact with us in any way, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can always send us an email, feedback at canwestillbefriends.net. You can always comment on our episode itself if you want to say something about Blues Brothers. Canwestillbefriends.net is the website. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Letterboxd. If you feel like following us there, just type in our names and you can see what movies we've been watching lately. Mm-hmm. And you can give us a phone call if you so desire. So you can pull out your cellular telephone or your landline phone, if you have one, and uh, leave us a message, 847-306-9532. It would be great to hear from you. So thank you for listening to our Blues Brothers discussion. Uh I hope you got something out of it. Um, Thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast, and we will catch you next time when we discuss The Incredibles.